This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Can you believe that summer is over now, I think, officially, in a sense. Some people are shaking their head. So for some of us, it's not until after Labor Day weekend, but that's, that's all good. I think Broward County schools start tomorrow. So for all the, the parents, in the, is it tomorrow? You're going back tomorrow. So that's awesome. Some of the parents are like, yes. <laughs> if you've been a parent, you know what I'm talking about right there. It's like, summers are great, but then after a little while, you're like, school, please. Like, you know, let's get back in the rhythm of life. And, and as Julie mentioned, we have, uh, you know, a weekend coming up this weekend where there, there's, we're wrapping up the summer and then a weekend after that, Labor Day. And then we're into the, the really the launch of, of our ministry season that kind of falls in, in line with the, with the seasons and rhythms of life here in South Florida. So when fall kicks off, we kick off and we run through the end of May and then take a little bit of a summer say law and then we kind of move again. And so if there's any meeting that I would tell you that you, that you, you should never miss, it's that, it's that Sunday after, after Labor Day. It's, it's so, so important. And this year is extra, extra um, critical in that sense because um, God has been speaking some things to my wife and I for the last three years that we've been processing. So this is not even just the last few months. It's, it's been three years that God's been saying some things to us and getting us ready, preparing us for what's, what's next. And the whole one initiative, remember when, when uh, Jesus was kind of ending his, his time here on earth and his ministry on earth? And his last and final prayer to God, and how many of you know that prayer is powerful? Prayer in in terms of even what that is defined as is simply like being able to hear something first. It's not like we just come up with stuff and then we lift it up to God. That's kind of, you know, vain prayer in a sense. There's no, no real strength behind that stuff. But when we're able to listen and we're able to hear what the Father is already saying and then release that same thing back to him with our voices... And come into agreement with that. Sorry, I'm going to switch over here. Did you see that? That was really smooth, right? Come on, somebody. Just a boom, boom, boom. Come on, Eric. So when we release that back to God, something is set into motion. And do you remember the prayer of Jesus at that time? What was it? Crazy prayer, like really profound prayer. He said, Father, make them what? One. And he not only said, make them one, he said, make them one like you and I and the Holy Spirit are one. Oh, y'all aren't getting this. This is is deep. That there there was a union between God themselves, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that he wanted us to share in with each other and with him as well. So the Lord is up to something in the church and he's moving us in this next season into unity with one another. And that's deep relationship, friendship, connection, engagement with one another, passion and compassion for the world to love other people. And so I want to just say this on on Friday night, uh, we are getting together with people that have been serving here in this community and it is going to be just a fun time of hangout. 
We're not doing worship or prayer or any of that kind of stuff. All those things are amazing. Sorry, next week is when it's happening. I think it's up there on the, on the what is it, the 9-1. We're going to be hanging out. So if you've been a part of a serve team, um, we want you there because it's just a blast. Like, I remember somebody came and they were like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And man, I'm so glad that I came. This was awesome. Like lots of laughs, lots of good connection with each other. And maybe you're new and you're like, I want to go deeper. I want to get connected into this community relationally. There's no better way. I, I, I'm not saying this in a manipulative manner because ultimately your calling is to go out and love people outside of this place. But there's a beauty to getting connected by serving in some way and getting to know the other people that are on this team. And you would be welcome. We'd love to have you come on Friday night if, if you're feeling some unction to just, um, just to you know, go there in that direction. So there's going to be some people back there in the back by the three TVs in the back just giving more information on what that could look like. All right? Okay. We're going to jump in this morning. I'm going to just pause and, and just ask the Lord to help us today because I'm pretty stoked about like what he showed me. And I know because I had a really, really, really busy week. You know those kind of weeks where it's like you can't find any space or time? Have you ever had that and you have tons of responsibilities and you're trying to be faithful to those responsibilities and then there's also time needed? In my case, it was to to somehow craft a word that brings value to your hearts today. And I just was like, Lord, this is so challenging. And I had one of those moments, and this happens you know, every now and then where I felt him just kind of take over my, my efforts to kind of bring forth a message. And he began to show me some things that honestly I hadn't thought about in a little while. And it just, it was, and I actually found myself just kind of pushing myself back from, from my desk, if you will, and just tears running down my face. Like, wow, Lord, you are just incredible. And how you bring revelation as Julie shared. And not only revelation, but then inspiration from our hearts to, to be transformed and be different because of it. It's not just another message filled with information. It's revelation that transforms. So I'm really excited about that. So I'm going to pray today for our time. Lord, thank you for the power of your written word. Thank you that it is sharp and able to go between soul and spirit and get to the very deep hearts in our place and parts of our heart. And so I just welcome you, Lord, to to come and teach today. Um, I'm a vessel and I'm willing to communicate uh, what you've showed me, but would you go beyond that and would you begin to speak to people's hearts in this room? In Jesus' name. So here's where we're going to go today. Um, I've titled my message in this Servolution series, Eternal Works, Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. I don't want you to get freaked out by that statement, but but we're going to look into... Um, this whole concept of worship, and we're going to answer three questions. I'm going to actually have them put up on the screen for you just to see so you know exactly where I'm going to take you this morning, where the Lord's going to take us together. And they're this, what exactly is worship? I want to submit that in cultural Christianity, there's been some definitions that have been, you know, put on our plate, if you will, that we have eaten from that don't actually align with the, the definition biblically of what worship actually is. Did you know that worship is not singing songs from a stage in a room that we call a church? I know that, like, don't, don't run out of the room or anything like that. Everything's going to be okay. I'm just telling you, that's, that's not exactly what worship is. Actually, if you think about, like, what happens on a Sunday morning and songs are being sung, 
That's actually another way of trying to teach you things about the kingdom. Does anybody remember songs from your childhood lyrics that you sung over and over again? And it's like they never go away. They stay implanted in your mind. Some good, maybe some not so good. Come on, somebody, right? You know what I mean? Like you just, have you ever heard a song that was, that, that maybe you listened to 20 years ago and then you started singing along with it and you knew every single lyric to that song? How is that possible? There's, there's a power really on music and lyrics that actually fashion culture in our hearts. Again, good or bad. You know, there's things that move us deeply with music and song. It's, it's really a creative space. And like what was happening up there with Alex today, guys like him, especially songwriters, they have a voice where they're trying to communicate. They, they have to get it out. There's a creative thing that goes on the inside of them. I remember just even watching Justin over the years. Like I would see it in, in certain times and rhythms where, where he was going through things personally or there was stuff that was being shown to him. And then out of that, it always, always, always came songs. And there's songs that are sung and there's songs that are remembered and they begin to take shape on the inside of us. It's, it's really, really important. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish what we do on Sundays. I actually think it's another moment for us to learn and to grow as, as we're, we're tapping into the culture of heaven. I, I want to submit this and I don't, there's no one in here that I'm actually speaking to this morning per se on this because we've got so many of our worship peeps out on vacation um, today as they're finishing the last little week of their summer but I really feel like it's a time for songwriting again in the church to come forth like original songs that are being written out of the place of personal encounter because we need to hear what these prophets have to say. And I say prophets, that's simply just voices, voices that are in the earth. I listen to a lot of even secular stuff and I'm in there, I'm like, man, that guy, what he's saying or that lady, which they're saying right there in that song, there's some juice on that. You know, and, and it's because they have this gifting over their life. They may not be applying it per se towards God's kingdom, but there's fruit there, if you will. So, I, sorry, I could go on a long time for that. So, what is worship? And then the second question is, how do we serve others with our worship? What, is, what does worship have to do with serving other people and loving other people? I'm going to show you that today by the grace of God. And then number three, how does worship reveal an eternal God to those living in the here and now. So we, when I say eternal, he, he is beyond time. He lives in another realm and dimension. Do we understand that? Like he's, he's, he's not a part of this system, this world. He lives and exists in another realm, another kingdom, another dimension, if you will. So how in our serving people with our worship, how does it reveal God to those living in the here and now that have, you know, life stuff? They wake up on Monday morning, they got to go to work, they've got kids, they've got financial pressure, they, they have, you know, different circumstances going on in their family. Like, you know, we're not just, come on, we're not just waking up singing Kumbaya on Monday mornings. We've got, we've got stuff that's going on in our life that we're all working through. We all have struggles and challenges. And how does God reveal to those ones his eternal nature and who he actually is through worship? So I'm going to read a verse. It's in some ways kind of a, a little bit of a mystical verse, but we're going to not try to keep it so ethereal and up here that we'll bring it, try to bring it down and make it practical for you this morning. But it's found in Acts chapter 15, 
verse 16. So would you look at that with me as we launch off? You guys excited? You ready? Okay. So he says in verse 16, and I want you to, to note these two words at the very beginning of this verse. What are they? After this. After this. Do we have yeah, There it is. So there's two words that are really important contextually. So there were some other verses that were read, or spoken, if you will, and recorded in the book of Acts. And they said some things, which we're actually going to look at today. But it came down to this verse and it said, after this, the things that had just been spoken, he says, I will return and rebuild. Cool phrase. I love this. This is just my, my, my flow here. He says, the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild it, and I will set it up. What's fallen down, I'm, I, the Lord, am going to, it's not going to be Pastor Darren. It's not going to be some, you know, superstar minister or anything like that. I'm going to restore what has fallen down, and when I do, I'm going to set it up. I'm going to set it right on the top of a hill. The, the language is there in the New Testament for all of the world to see. Oh, come on. Help me. Help me out a little bit this morning. There is something coming that actually has already been initiated 2,000 years ago, that as the body of Christ has matured over the years, is getting ready to enter into something that is far beyond anything that we realize. He is setting it up. One of the season changes that Julie you know, mentioned that I believe we find ourselves in, but not only us, I believe it's all churches across the world actually. And I know that because we went and did some traveling this summer. We were last weekend, we were in Indiana speaking to a pastor and his wife there and helping them in their, in their weekend conference and stuff. And it's, it's happening everywhere. Everybody's feeling the same thing. It's like this expectation that we're going into, into to a realm of, of our walk with God that maybe we've never been before. It's awesome. It's disturbing in some ways. It's a little like, oh my gosh, what's this going to look like? How is this all going to play out? How do I align with what you're doing, Lord? But nonetheless, it's happening, okay? It's happening. He said, I will rebuild it and I will set it up. Now let's give context here to this whole tabernacle of David. What, what is that? Well, really, he's, it's, it's just biblical. I call it type and shadow. It's like it's like a, a parable, if you will, of like trying to give us some imagery um, of what God is wanting us to come to understand, to, to, to communicate a truth to us. And so oftentimes Jesus would use examples and pictures and, and, and all kinds of things, especially the whole Old Testament is really that. It's a parable. It's, it's a type. It's a shadow of Jesus and what he's up to in the world. And nonetheless, this was, this was a verse that really, you know, aligns with that same thought pattern. But just context, how many of you know David was a shepherd boy? Do you guys remember that? That's what he did for his, his living. He would care for sheep. Um, I told Wendy I wanted to be a sheep farmer um, the other day. I said, she said, what's your ambition in life? I don't know. I want to be a sheep farmer. I want to, I want to, I want to take, I'm, I'm totally joking. But, but he was a shepherd boy. Sometimes that sounds nice because he was hanging out in this beautiful field all by himself. Maybe in a field somewhere located where there was cool weather. Can I get an amen? All right. Where there's no humidity and no rain. Come on, somebody. The sheep were not being rained on, all right? It was, 
It was a dry sheep field for David where he was able just to hang out and, and, and do some things. But the crazy thing is that this shepherd boy who would actually worship the Lord in the backside of the wilderness when no one else was watching. It wasn't church on Sunday, okay? It was like him and God and the sheep. He became the king of Israel. There was something that was going on in the heart of David that set him on a trajectory where God was going to lift him up and put him in a place of authority and influence that was going to shape an entire nation. Do you hear this? What God is doing is he's, he's, he's taking us to the secret place again, the, the quiet place, the places where no one else is. And sometimes that feels lonely. Sometimes, in fact, all the time it feels lonely, most often, until you find somebody else that's still in that place as well. And you're like, you're there too? Okay, whoa. I feel to totally different circumstances, but you're there too? Okay, it makes me feel so much better. And it's in that place that God is preparing, preparing us for what he has. We know with this word tabernacle that it was, it was something different because it wasn't a permanent fixed location. His son, Solomon, we know, was the one who built the first temple, right? So it wasn't David that built this fixed permanent location. He was, he was on a journey. You are on a journey. Every single person in this world, you are not just staying in one place. You are moving around, if you will, in life. Maybe not physically with your physical location, but trust me, you are in a process. And David's tabernacle, which carried the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God dwelling on the earth, would move around. Okay? So what is it about this tabernacle which has fallen down? Well, we know in the fixed location of the temple, that's where the presence of God would dwell in Jerusalem. We know that eventually came through Solomon. But what about this kind of it wasn't really beautiful. It wasn't like all together per se. It was kind of, you know, it was a work in progress, if you will. It was this, this tabernacle, this mobile tent where the presence of God, we're going to see context for that word tent in just a minute, where the presence of God dwelt on the earth. So if it was just a tent, it was something they set up and they would tear down then how could it have fallen down? It wasn't permanent. Well, again, it's a metaphor. It's a picture. So what had fallen down? And I'll submit this to you, and I think it's, I think it's an issue today. What had fallen down was intimacy between God and man. David had it in his heart. He established it through his life. He was referred to as a man after God's own heart. You remember those, that, that language? He wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes. But he had a heart after God. And God met him and found him in that place. In the place of obscurity. Maybe you feel like, man, no one really knows what I'm going through, what's going on in my life, how my walk is with the Lord. And I feel like I'm in a place of, of obscurity. Guess what? You're in good company when you find yourself in that place. Because who knows and who understands? God understands. 
I know that may sound like maybe not bring you a lot of hope and comfort and stuff, but I just, I wanted to sink in a little bit. Like the God who created you, sees you, and understands what you're going through. Is this too heavy this morning? Is this too much? Kind of give me a thumbs up or a thumbs sideways or a thumbs down, okay? Just kind of give me some signals out there. Like, I'm awake, Darren. I'm here. I'm breathing. I'm in the room. So the Lord is, 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 his eyes are on us. This is so important for us to know. He, he sees what exactly we're going through. All of the feels on the inside. All of it. And whether we realize it or not, he's engaging us in that place. He's trying to come and and touch our hearts. And this is what happened with David. And there was this intimacy thing that opened up with him and God in the Old Testament, which is profound. Because we we know that it wasn't until Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, that that gateway now to the Father, 24-7, unhindered, 365 days a year, unhindered access to God, was fully opened up. But David had a taste of it. And in religion, it fell down. They made this fixed temple and they just got into the motions and they had this beautiful building. And then at the end of, of that season, it said that that nation was living under the shadow of death. Can you imagine? People would come from all over the world to see the gold and the this and the that and the walls and stuff. And yet there was no life on the inside of that building. Because it wasn't about a building. It was about a heart, a human heart. He had no fear. David had no fear in love. And that's why he took on Goliath. Listen, my friends, this is important because there's some Goliaths out there that we're called to take on. There's some stuff that we're we're called to step into that are kind of scary on the front end a little bit. But there's no fear in love. And whatever God is asking of us, man, he's going to empower us and grace us to step into those things. This is where we're going. And he knew firsthand what it was like to be oppressed by religion. There was the, the house of Saul and there was the house of, do you remember this? David. Two houses, two opposing houses. A man after God's own heart and a man that, you know, just got skewed in his journey. And he was jealous and envious of David and he persecuted, he hunted him down. You ever feel hunted down, persecuted a little bit? And like when your heart's after the Lord and you feel like, man, what, why am I experiencing these troubles? I, Wendy knows this. I have all these dreams. It's like I'm a, all my emotions during the day, they kind of come out at night. And sometimes I wake up, you know, freaking out like, ah, what's up? Someone's in the room. You know, she's like, Darren, it's okay. Like no one's in the room. It's all good. But I'm having these dreams, you know, of this journey that I'm on with the Lord sometimes. So intimacy had been lost. So let's jump back into, where are we at here? Okay, we're good. Let's jump back into Acts 15 where we were and back up a few verses because we saw after this, we we need to jump into that part to get some context. So let's talk about quickly what exactly is worship. Look at me, look with me at verse 12 in chapter 15. It says this, then all of the multitudes, 
So they're, they're making declaration. They're speaking out loud like what's kind of going on in this moment as the New Testament church is being birthed. And it says when they did all of the multitudes, and there was thousands and thousands of people, it says that they kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had, this is really important, had worked what? Come on, had worked what? Through them. So God, who dwells in this eternal space, now all of a sudden, after people being in a place of lifelessness and a valley of a shadow of death, if you will, now is working through his people, the ones that he's created that live here on the earth. <laughs> what, is, what is worship? It's that. It's that. That is the tabernacle of David. I love it how, how Jason Upton says it's, 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 it's for Jacob's generation, the key of David, intimacy. There's a connection from heaven to earth that brings life, the life of God. Let me submit this to you because you don't know who you are unless you fully understand this. That the life of God that lives and dwells up here in heaven that now is connected to the earth wants to be able to flow through you. Through you. And we, we come oftentimes to church and we want some anointed worship leader or some pastor to, 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 for God's presence to come through and somehow touch our lives. That's all good and well. I don't think that that's terribly a bad thing or anything like that. But I want to just tell you that God wants to flow and work through you. You are specifically positioned in a unique way to have influence with a certain group of people or individuals or whoever it is. And you need to unashamedly just know that. For some, it's, it's a certain space. For others, it's a different one. And we shouldn't despise or criticize someone else's assignment because it's all valuable and important. And God wants to work through us to bring something otherworldly into a broken world. Here's my definition of worship. It's where God, we're going to put this up there for you because I want you to see it. Worship is where God, who dwell, whose dwelling is in the heavens, begins to live in, sorry, we'll get that up in just a minute, begins to live in and work through man to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. When she finds out, we'll put it up. No pressure to catch you. That's a hard position, by the way. Think about that being back there and pastors like, can I get show this before you? And then they're, anyhow, it's, it's, we're thankful for you, Akechi. Yeah, you're awesome. So, so good. Worship is where God, whose dwelling is in the heavens, begins to live in and work through man to perform signs and wonders. Forget the quote, Akechi. Just leave it, let it go. Because I'm going to move on. You, you guys can write that down on your own. Voice record it when you walk out of here. It's going to be on the message. Listen to it again. But number two, I want to get into that. So how do we serve others with our worship? If we're vessels living on the earth that God wants to work in and then through to bring an otherworldly type of reality into, into our environments. And listen, please hear me. Like, I don't want that to sound spooky or weird, okay? It's not. It's, it's like the point here is, is that if we're out there doing this in our own strength and our own ability, 
there's not much eternal value that that actually brings to the world. Please, I'm not trying to be rude or ugly or anything with that, but that's just the truth. And there's been some things that I've done in my own life that were kind of good things, but they weren't God things. And there was a lot of me in the midst, and God wants him in the midst of me. Okay, And when God gets in the midst of me and begins to work in me and through me, then something re- is released everywhere I go, everywhere my feet uh, step, that is, that is way bigger than I actually even knew that was even possible. And sometimes we'll be the biggest doubters in the moment when it begins to happen. We're like, oh my gosh, I, didn't, I, I knew you were good. I knew you were big. I knew this was awesome. I could tell you stories. When you get my book, you need to read through it. I, I share some of them, and they're, they're over the course of almost 30 years And so not like they were happening every day, but I've seen some stuff, some things I can't explain, some things I for sure can't take credit for, that sets something in motion that has eternal significance. Like there is a reality of of eternity and and we want to have a life that lives according to eternal significance, not temporal significance. Come on, the culture of this world is trying to get you all tied up in like what, what, you're, what you're up to now here in this world and, and turning inward, me, 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 me kind of life. Like just trying to self-preserve and God's like, you're a child of the king. And you're behaving like, like you're just an orphan that has no big daddy that owns everything backing you. We think way too small. So how does our worship serve other people? Look at, look at this with me in verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. This was not just going to be some good message that he was going to say. It was like he had, he had something burning in his bones. And he's like, you got to hear what I'm saying here. He says, verse 14, Simon has declared how God at first, at the first visited the Gentiles to take a people out of them a people for his name. This is the initial remnant that was pulled out of this brokenness big time that was in the Gentile nations all around Israel. And he says this in verse 15, and with this, the move of God's spirit among these individuals, this Gentile remnant, this is so important. He says the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. I, I, I literally feel like I could explode right now on the inside just reading that. And you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you on the inside of me, I'm like, just combust, Darren. Just blow into a million pieces because that is incredibly profound right there. The written word and the living word that was in these prophets came into the place of agreement. I was talking to my, let me explain what I mean by that, what I believe is happening here in this verse. My son and I were talking about Jesus the other day and the character and nature of Jesus. And how many of you know he is the what? Living word, isn't he? He's the word on display. And we were talking about how the written word has been so misconstrued by false teachers, really, that it actually doesn't reflect the nature and character of the living word. 
Am I being too hard this morning, too harsh? Like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody or anything like that. Like, be any, none of those kind of things. I'm just telling you, like, there's a passion in me where, where who Jesus is and what he represents and the written word and the, 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 the language of it, the culture of it, the, the heart of it, the, 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 the essence of it, they need to be parallel. And it's not just in Jesus. That's why when they saw him, they were, they were like, who are you? Like, what are you? You're, you're different. Everything our heart is longed for. We just want to be around you. We want to be near you. Can we just touch your cloak? Can we just, can we just spend some time with you? There was so much life on Jesus, so much love, so much profound compassion that, that no matter who the person was and what they were going through, they were still drawn to Jesus. And Jesus never had to compromise his life and his walk to appease them because he was carrying such glory on his heart. What if... The written word and the beauty of Jesus that hopefully we'll we'll be able to continue to see in the Bible is reflected in and through our lives. If I had one prayer for my life, I'd be like, Lord, whoever your son was and what he looked like and how he lived and what he taught. And how I find those treasures in this written word that to be in my life. I want my life to be like that. I don't want someone to look at me and not see Jesus. This is killing the church. It's killing our, our, our credibility in the world. And the living word of God wants to move in and through us from another realm, give us a completely different culture. So that we can walk this thing out and see signs, wonders, and miracles that are not of us begin to flow from our lives. Alex, would you come up? I think we're getting close here. I don't know how I'm going to land this plane because I'm like on, on this little second definition. But agreement. There's power in agreement. When that stuff begins to happen, something is, something is released. So last one, how does worship reveal an eternal God. Well, now we're at the after this verse, in verse 16. Well, he says, I'm going to rebuild a tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'll set it up. And here's what I want you to catch by this. There was this tent that David, you know, instituted back in the early days of Israel where the presence of God would dwell in it in the Holy of Holies that was in the Ark of the Covenant. We know that story. But what is, it, what is he talking about here? You got to get, you got to get this last little piece. You now are that mobile tent. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Right there. I don't know. You are that mobile tabernacle. Our bodies have become this. If, if you look in 2 Corinthians, real quickly, chapter 5, verse 1, it's out of, this is out of the amplified version. He says, for we know... Are you hearing this? We don't just have heard this. We what? No! That if the earthly tent, our physical body, which is our house, is torn down through death, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
Guess what? We've all died already in baptism. We've been raised, resurrected up. We've been, uh, uh, we've now have ascended and been seated with the Lord. We, we have something different in our frames, actually. It's not just in your soul or your spirit. It's like, it's, it's literally the presence of God residing in your body. I, that is mind-blowing to me. To seek. Verse 17 of Acts 15, back to Acts 15 as we wrap this up. He says, the reason this happens in a remnant, okay, is so that, look what he says, so that the rest of mankind, I, I really need the Lord's help here because this is so huge for me to get this across. How do we serve the world? If we're sitting in this room and we have any comprehension of the stuff I'm trying to talk to you about today, there is so much significance on that. It should just be like fire on the inside of us. What do I mean? You, for whatever reason, not the other people that are out there right now doing whatever they're doing on this Sunday. You have been chosen by God and pre-selected just like David was to be maybe taken into a wilderness, if you will, and learned about learning about this thing called intimacy. Some of you may be just a little bit on the road. Some of you may be midway. Some of you may be way down the road. The point is, is that it's the same road and God has chosen you so that Everybody else would seek the Lord. Exactly. No, it's all good. That was perfect. I couldn't have paid, paid you any money better to get that. That was awesome. I want to say, Alexa, turn off alarm. Okay, turn off. That they may seek the Lord. The word there is the Greek word etseo, which is worship. Worship. Seeking. What is he saying, guys? Come on. If you seek me, you will find me. I remember Banning Leapshur preached a message one time about that, and he says, You know, God is God is like this God that plays hide and seek with us, and then he kind of puts his leg out there for you know, he, you're hiding behind this. Like, let's say this, this table, I'm hiding behind it, but then he puts his leg out. Like, I'm just over here, can't you see? And if you're just looking, you'll find him. He's not trying to avoid you. He's just saying, turn your heart to me and you'll find me. And when you find him, Acts 15, 18, we're closing with this. Oh, I gotta do a part two because I'm realizing there's a whole lot more here, but he says, for I have made my works known from eternity. I know we have to pick up the children, and if, if, if that's you, I, I, I know we need to be gracious and so thankful to our workers back there. So if you wouldn't mind slipping out quietly and doing that, but for the rest in the room, could we just give just two minutes, a few minutes to just kind of sit and process what I've talked about. And I'm going to ask Alex just if he wouldn't mind just to lead us in a song that 
but help us just to be reminded and remember what the Lord has done and what we've been invited into. Here's what I want to say over you before we go. David, who had a bunch of brothers, when it came time to pick the king, he wasn't even invited to the lineup. Do you understand? 
by nature of him being one of the sons, he should have been at least invited when the prophet came to choose who was going to be this king. Listen, even if you haven't been invited, you don't feel invited. God sees you. God knows you. So the prophet shows up and he sees all these brothers and he says, there's, there's something wrong here. None of these are the king. And the dad is like, what are you talking about? Do you have another son? Well, he's not here right now. Who is it? David. The one with the heart after God. Didn't make him necessarily better than his brothers, but what it did make him is the first remnant that he was going to call out of the family to do a work in so that the rest of his family, the rest of a nation could come to know God. You, whether you realize it or not, are a catalyst to your husband's salvation, to your wife's salvation, to your children's spiritual walk, to your next door neighbor's encounter with God. You are the one that God wants to work through and has privileged you to stand in this place of being set up on the top of a hill. So I just want to pray over you before we go. Would you just open up your hands to receive this, Lord? Would you touch every single person in this room with an understanding of their value, with an awareness of the intimacy that they have with you, whether they feel it or not, whether through that intimacy... Their identity is going to be so fashioned in them, they will not be moved by the culture of this world in Jesus' name. And they will begin to reflect the essence of Christ, not because of their do's and their don'ts being kept in the right right order, but because of your power and presence working through them in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. I love you guys. Have an amazing, amazing, amazing rest of your week. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.